G'day, and thanks for tuning in to Eddie Thing Goes. I'm your host, Edwina Robertson, a.k.a. Eddie, and this show is brought to you with the intention of sharing interesting stories, experiences, and conversations from, well, mostly normal people. In a time of witch hunting for speaking your mind and sharing your opinion, I ask all my guests to be transparent in sharing their experiences with limited political correctness. As a heads up, you may find some content uncomfortable or even offensive. This podcast does contain adult themes and language, so I suggest it's not listened to in the vicinity of little ears. If you love it, I'd absolutely love it if you tell your friends and help grow the show by leaving a review and rating. But let's not delay. I've got a lot of questions to ask and there's many things to say. Amelia Stubbs, Hi. thank you for coming on the Editing Goes podcast. Thank you. It's such a delight to have you here and, and a little bit unexpected because we've kind of followed each other on social media for a few years now, I'd say, yeah, yeah. both being in the fashion industry, I had my own label, dress label, you being a curved size model and then we actually randomly met at an event last week and I was like, oh, I like this girl's energy. I'm all about her energy and had a bit of a chat and then I heard you say something and my little podcast producing ears pricked up and went, ooh. I need to have a conversation with this girl. Now we'll get into it. We'll get into it. How would you introduce yourself? What do you do? What what are you known for? Who who really is Amelia Stubbs? Basically, I am a yeah plus size model or curve model, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, what what, what, model? Just quickly, what is what is the politically correct thing to say? Well, everyone wants it to be model, but Mm. you can't just expect change overnight Mm. like you've got to have labels by saying I'm a plus size model or saying I'm a curve model is actually differentiating the fact that you're bigger than what the norm of what Mm. you would see Mm -hmm. so a plus size model is anyone over a size 12 Mm -hmm. according to like agencies and and Mm -hmm. clients and things like that so yeah, it's it's um it's been a much needed label, but it's now you want to drop that being less and less. So I I tend to say mo- just a model now. Yep. Yeah, but when I'm when I'm um, talking about it, I do like to differentiate it that you know I've got curves and I'm a size sixteen, and um yeah, that's it's different to the traditional model. Okay, mm. so you're a model, an I'm, influencer. Yeah, you have a hundred seventy three thousand yep. followers on Instagram. <laughs> yeah. Who even are those people? You yeah. know, I always look at them like, I love you all, but I just, it just blows my mind. Imagine putting that in a room. And have you got any qualifications or degrees? D- did you go to uni? I'm a singer as well. Oh, you're a singer? Yeah, I'm actually a classically trained singer. Um, <laughs> wow. Yeah, so, and I've done a lot of um, musical theatre singing. I'm a singing teacher. So I've I studied that for like pretty aggressively for I think 10, 12 years. Wow. Yeah, so that's how I got into modelling. So it's performance in the end. What else are you doing at the moment? Um, well, I've been working as a nanny mm-hmm. and I, I've been doing a bit of housekeeping, mm-hmm. which I love because I'm an organisational queen. Mm-hmm. I just I look at a wardrobe and I'm like, right, what do you need? What don't mm-hmm. you need? What can we donate? Fulfilling my organisational kind of side mm-hmm. by, by um, yeah, working f- in a – big house and helping them manage all the things that go into that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I do that. Mm -hmm. And um, also, (laughs) drum roll, please. Uh, I actually have OnlyFans now. What a juxtaposition. (laughs) I'm a nanny and I have an OnlyFans account. Yeah, it was honestly a really hard, hard thing to consider because I was like, well, who's my audience? It was a lot of mums and who have been working with for the last 10 Mm. years, a lot of kids. But in the end... I was like, no, I'm I'm doing this in a in a healthy way, which mm. is for for myself, mm. and also that I'm really proud of my body, and I'm mm. really proud of what I would do. I wouldn't want them to see it, mm. but it, but they won't see it, mm. and if they do, that's not my problem. Mm. That's we'll, we'll get <laughs> into that. We're going to explore that because that is the Sensor fact. That kids. is the thing that really kind of pricked my ears yeah. last yeah. week at this event when I heard you say, "Oh, I have an OnlyFans account," and I was like. <gasps> Yeah. She has an OnlyFans account, but she's so sweet and angelic and, <laughs> yeah. and you know, yeah. we will get into that. Okay. 
tell me about your childhood. Where did you grow up? What did you do? How, what, what was your life like? Your family dynamics? Tell me about that. Okay. Well, I was born in Melbourne and uh, I'm one of four girls. So my sisters and I are all quite close in age. And um, we moved to Brisbane when I was about 10 um, and dad got work up here. So we all moved as a big family. And then my parents divorced when I was about 10. So that was kind of like the the breaking point of everything. I think I feel like that was the crux of where I am now. Like it's kind of been that journey from then because I started eating for emotional stability. Mm. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't a nice time in my life, but but I learned a lot and I started, um, I guess, singing, classical singing, and I really just focused on that. That was my mm. thing. And it, I didn't have to worry about my body. I didn't have to worry about um, anything other than the fact that I was just singing and making people happy mm. as well. What was, what was your parents? Was it a toxic breakup? Yeah. Like what was their relationship with each other through that? separation they both did the best they could at the time and I've noticed that as an adult I can see that but as a kid it was really hard because it was a very emotional divorce Mm. and a very a very hard one because then dad moved back down to Melbourne for work again and mum was up here she stayed up here with us and we were all in school so it was a really hard kind of thing for everyone at the time and something that I've worked really hard on I don't know, delving deeper into mm. with psychology and, and mm. but again, a lot of things started from it. Mm. So, yeah, I was, I was eating and I was quite a lot bigger than my friends. I was never huge, but I was, you know, still it was pointed out. I was called names and, you know, called fat girl and so all the other you things. you were bullied. I was bullied. But I also, I think I was quite likable at school. So mm. I think, again, because I sang, I had other things to talk mm. about and, and I would, I'm kind of still the same to the, today, but I would go and, be friends with everyone. I'd mm. go and, you know, be like, hey, what are you doing today? And I, I, I love to know about people mm. and I look at the best in people. So when I was at school, I'd go around to all the different friendship groups and I was never part of a group. I was just a floater mm. and I just had really nice friends within the group. So I think that saved me a little bit mm. by by being naturally, uh, I don't know, outgoing. Mm. And mm. I think people also saw me as the singer mm. and I started to create mm. that for myself. So, Do you think yeah. the bullying had... Did that exacerbate your emotional eating at all? Yeah, definitely. I didn't feel like I fit in with my friends and especially at the time. So let's talk like 13 or 14 years old in Brisbane. Mm. Everyone's wearing little rugby shorts. Oh, like ruggers. <laughs> yeah. Ruggers. I couldn't fit into them. Everyone yeah, had, yeah, Canterbury yeah. ruggers. Canterbury, yeah. yeah. And then they had like the two-way colours. So like on the front it'd be like navy yeah. and navy at the front of one leg, pink on the other and then the opposite on yeah. the back. Yeah. So I had to buy the men's ones. Yeah, right. Because I've always been wide in the hip. Mm. So, But I, you're also a tall girl yeah, as well. Yeah. Like, like I've never you're 180 been centimetres tall now as a, as a grown adult. Adult. Yep, yep. yep. I, I was never a small-framed person mm. and I always had a bust, you know, as big as an E-cup when I was, you know, developing. Mm. It's always been challenging to find clothes, even to this day mm. for me, even with all the, you know, plus-size brands out mm. there. It's still a challenge. But that made it really hard for me because I couldn't wear the clothes that I wanted to wear. Mm. I had to go and buy maternity bras from Target and, wow. you know, I, I couldn't wear what my friends wore and that really, really cut me deep. Wow. And so at this age you were I was about I was about 13, 14? Yeah, 13, 14, 15. That's really then. hard because yeah. I think that's a really uh influential and important time of a girl's development. Yeah. Of where you're trying to find yourself. Yeah. And so you're not fitting in because of this your size and yeah. your shape. Mm. You know, uh you Parents have just gone through a divorce and despite what anyone says, kids don't get over that. Yeah, it's really hard. It actually, mm. um, I spoke to a psychologist once and she said it actually interrupts your emotional development. Mm. So um, even even though I'm, you know, very privileged and I had loving parents and all of that, it was still affected me and I've had to deal with that as an adult um, and work through some of the issues that I had as of an effect of the divorce. She's like, why is this happening? Well, because this happened. Mm. So it's been a re- that really, really made me work on myself. So mm. the, the divorce in itself is, no, in my mind, not a bad thing. Mm. It was just a thing that happened mm. that I had to do. And it's with. actually, I think, for a lot of people to acknowledge, like as a kid, you think it's kind of about you. Yeah, yeah, you can't help but 
but feel a little abandoned mm. and, you know, dad wasn't around but he was still around. He still called us all the time and told us he loved us and it wasn't us. He, they did all the right things mm. but it's still it somehow it just affects you. Oh, absolutely. But I would never want – I would never have wanted them to stay in the relationship just for us. I think it was actually the best thing they thing, could do. Yes. And I think everyone who's had their parents have separated in their childhood, I think that affects us in yeah. such profound ways. Yeah, even money. Like I have oh. a real thing. I still have a – not still, but money I've had to re kind of relook at my relationship with money because what I was taught – isn't necessarily a very healthy way to look at it. What, what, so, what were you taught? Well, we we were quite well off. We mm. were they had, my mum and dad had a business and it was doing really well. And then and then it um, they they lost the business. Mm. So we went from being wealthy family to a family who were going to private schools mm. but didn't have money to go to the movies with my friends. Wow. Like mum would, mum would look, you know, I'd say, "Mum, you know, I was a teenager, I was so sassy," and I'm like, "I just want to go out with my friends," and and um, I was like, "Do you just have twenty dollars?" She looked, kept nagging her, and she showed me her wallet, and she was like, "I have nothing to give you," because wow. I was just, yeah. At that so age. she was still trying to keep up appearances, right? Well, she, we were in the school, and she wanted our education to be, or both our parents mm-hmm. wanted the education to be the mm-hmm. most important thing. But it, I could feel it as a kid that. It wasn't quite right because all my friends had Louis Vuitton wallets and all these, you know, extra things. I was like, what is that? Mm. Um, so it was really, yeah, it was really hard. So how's that How's that as an adult now, mm. as a woman in her 30s, single woman in her 30s, what's your response or what's your actions with money now? Like do you spend it? Do you self-sabotage by spending it? Do you hoard it? Do you... By think like how does that play out for you in now, your behaviour? Now mm. I I believe I have a healthy relationship with money mm-hmm. because I've fought for it. Mm. Because I've re educated myself on it. Even going to a psychologist about it and actually, mm. you know, why do I a lot of emotion is attached to money and finances mm. and and a lot of the society, you know, what do I want? Is it what I want or is it because society is telling me to get it or is it because it's trendy? Mm. You know, is it because I like it or not? And a lot of those questions is what I would ask myself before I spend money. And, um, yeah, before though it would be, oh, my gosh, I haven't had money and now I've got $1,000 from maybe tax back or something and I just go and spend it because mm. like, I haven't had it. So you, when you go without and then you have something, mm. it's like I'm going to get all the things I've been waiting for. So I still do that sometimes, mm. but I'm now aware when aware I do of it. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, it's I don't think either of my parents, um, bless them, but they're both not great mm. with money, but they haven't been taught either. So it really No is, one has been. Yeah, I, do, I think we have to do a lot of unlearning mm. and a lot of relearning mm. as adults, especially in our generation. Mm. But I also just think my parents are wonderful and, they, and they've done the best they could, mm. you know, and that they've set me up with tools to be able to learn more. Mm. And that's why I'm grateful for my education and the struggles that they went through. through. For to keep this. you, keep you there. Yeah. Okay. So they've separated when you're around ten. Yeah. You've gone. You've opted into singing. Really throwing yeah. yourself into that. You know. You probably you're struggling with your your body image. And it was around thirteen, was it, when you became you, you got into modelling? How did how did how did this all come about? Well, not thirteen was when okay. I basically okay. started um, the, the serious singing. Okay, so yeah, right. Steadfords so and everything. Oh, Steadfords, yeah, yes. Steadfords, and I'd go and I'd lose, and then I'd go and work harder, and because mm. I was the youngest in some of the um, categories, mm. and then I'd um, and Mum was there every single time. Um, and then I'd go back and then I'd start winning and I was like winning all of them and, you know, mm. oh, my God, I got $50, mm. $50 prize money. Like that was an amazing feeling when mm. I had worked so hard. Mm. And then we actually moved back down to Melbourne to be with family and um, I went to audition for Victorian College of the Arts Secondary School, mm-hmm. which is a singing school or music, mm. dancing, um, and I did singing. And I went to a, basically a school that had um, no uniform, so going from – hardly fitting into the uniform at, mm. at Clayfield mm. <laughs> um, to then being able to wear whatever I wanted. Mm. And that's when I started to really look at clothes in a different way mm. and, and amend them to my body. Mm. You're able to express yourself freely. Yes. Without being put in that yeah, in I would, that container of this is what we wear because this is 
ultimately what the school requires and the rules and the regulations. Yeah. I look back at what I was wearing and I was I found one of my grandma's old ball gowns, like a, like it was like a bodycon sequin, blue sequin dress, and it was quite gorgeous. But I was wearing that to school with these, you know, sandals, and I could wear what I wanted. And you know, so I you think, were allowed to be extra, and you took that on board. Yeah, yeah and I was, I'd wear bright green eyeliner uh, yeah because I have hazel eyes, so mm. I'd be like, well, this, you know, I try and look at the things that I could stand out for, and mm. I was still the biggest girl in mm. in the group, my friends were tiny. Mm. They were like size 8, 10. Mm. I was always a size 14 to 16. Mm. Do you think you tried to stand out in other ways so it would detract from your size? Yeah. I think that by that time I'd accepted that I wasn't the same. Mm. How old were you then? I was 16 mm. and I really struggled with attention from guys as well mm. so I try and dress so that I'd be noticed in a different way and um yeah I would uh, you know I would star my hair and do my makeup and uh, not too outrageous but just where the way I liked it mm. because in the magazines I didn't see any one of my shape mm. or size even with my bust like I, I would just see people with very very slim figures mm. and it I couldn't relate. Even when my breasts got bigger, they I was like, they're saggy, they're awful. You know, I, I remember looking at myself in the mirror one day just going, that's awful. Now I look at them and I'm like, oh, yeah, they're pretty good. <laughs> like my I nipples like down there near my, my belly button, but it's fine. Like they're good because I can now see I've been able to look at someone like Ashley Graham mm. and I'm like, I can relate to you. Mm. So what was your first modeling job or what what elaborate on that where how did this all okay, come about yeah. well that's why the backstory is important because essentially yeah, yeah because I'd always been in front of everyone performing I was encouraged to get up in front of assembly and my mum would say oh my friends are coming over how about you do a song and I loved singing to people mm. um I then went to that music school and then I actually got into Melbourne University um which to my surprise I got into because I'm not academically inclined I'm smart, but I never really got – I was just never really wanted to sit down and, like, you know, the maths and stuff was hard mm. for me. But I excelled with the music. So they accepted me at Melbourne University for the classical singing and I just felt like I was going back to t year 10 when I went to VCA because it was a specialist school. Mm. It was very hard to get go back backwards a little bit mm. to the standard of, like, other people that had come in. So at 18 – being all like, well, I want to be a famous singer and, you know, uh, this is my dream. I'm not getting that from being here. I, I deferred. Mm. But at that time as well, my stepdad had just passed away from cancer. So <sighs> it was a really tough time and I just went, you know what, I'm not doing this anymore. I just want to have some time where I'm, I don't know, just not doing anything because school was, 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 you know, pretty like uni anyway so basically um singing didn't work out because the industry only really wanted small people for musical theater small and blonde I, i'd go on audition and they'd say you're a great voice but you're not the look we're looking for <laughs> and the costumes they didn't fit me the costumes the standard costumes costumes in these musical theater productions wouldn't fit me and it was just everywhere i turned even singing jazz with a piano you know out in a club somewhere, it was just so hard to even get paid. So I I think early on I realised that it's really not going to be financially beneficial to be a singer mm. unless I wanted to, you know, be a wedding singer and stuff like that. Mm. So I decided to get uh, record something myself, so an album, and so I decided to get a photo shoot done for my album. <laughs> so funny, now I'm laughing about it. I was only, I think... Uh, 20, 21 maybe, and I had a, a fringe and a bob, a bit like Zelma from Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I had the photos done and, and everyone, my friends and family, were like, wow, you're really photogenic. You look really great. And I was like, oh, that makes me feel good. Mm. I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed doing the modelling for it. And I one day was on Google and you've got to understand, like, this is like 10 to 12 years ago. I can't remember the maths, but um, I was Googling plus-size modelling in Australia and only two modelling agencies came up because I knew that I would never be the traditional size model. I took a selfie with my camera <laughs> for one of them to audition, like, audition for it and 
sent it off and they said, no, we don't want you. And you can imagine someone who's got this history of being rejected all the time. It wasn't very nice and I mm. cried my eyes out and they said, we don't want your hair and, and I was like, okay, I can't change my hair because it's just I can grow it out but it mm. is what it is. I then felt something switch inside me and I was like, there's a chance to get rejected again by the second agency but it won't be worse than what it feels now because I've already felt the worst. It's very insightful for a a young adolescent woman. Yeah, talking about think, it now, I'm like, that was... Yeah, that's very insightful. I think it's always been in me. I think mm. now I'm reflecting on it with you, I'm like, wow. I think that's where I've recreated myself when I need to, mm. That's and that's been part of my story. So I I sent through the photos to the second agency and they called me the next day saying, we want you. Wow. Um, we want you as a lingerie model. Whoa. So at the time I was dating someone. Very seriously, I really wanted to have babies with him and get married with him and it was, very, you know, one of those first loves, mm-hmm. obsessive first loves. And it was for about three and a half years I was with him. And I went to tell him about it. I don't think it was the most – it wasn't the greatest relationship now I look back on it, like it was a bit, bit toxic. And I said, oh, look, you know, I, I've got accepted to this big agency. They want me. They want me. And, you know, like that was an amazing feeling. Mm-hmm. And he just responded with, oh, so you're going to be in everyone's mailbox, you know, in your undies, just not supportive, jealous. And I and I went, okay, I need to make a decision to follow my dream or a dream to do this or to stay with someone I love dearly that's not going to support me. And so I ended it with him, which was, I reckon to this day, one of the hardest things I've ever done is to choose me. So I chose myself. And, yeah, I, I basically moved to Brisbane to be with my best friend who just bought an apartment. So I was up here for six months working an office job, which I killed me inside. Mm. But I auditioned for another different agency. It was this big story. It's probably too long to talk about, but it's I, I kind of went where the wind blew me. Mm. And I got some jobs but not a lot of jobs. I was working full-time as a nanny and I was exhausted. I literally packed up and I was like, I'm going to Sydney. Mm. And because they, Vivians didn't have any plus size models signed to them. Mm. They, they had some on their books, but they didn't actually have specific models shown in the portfolios. It was actually, the, I was the first plus size model in 10 years. Wow. Sorry, ever. Yeah. Ever. Wow. Yeah, ever. Sorry. That, yeah. That's a, that's a <laughs> big brain. deal. And how, how do these agencies, how have they treated you? I've been pretty lucky. I think I'm complacent to a point where I'll, I'll do what they say. I I used to be a bit more like that. Now not so much, which is why I don't have an agency. Yeah. Um, I would listen to them. I'd learn from them. I realised that I didn't know everything. But I always had this goal in my head that I was going to be a full-time plus-size model and they would always tell me, Amelia, that's a great dream but it's not going to happen. <laughs> and, you know, like they were trying to help me. I would never hold it against them. But it's like that that wasn't good advice for someone who was trying to, yeah, do something different. And I was rejected a lot and they told me to sit down basically Mm. a lot of the time. Do you think that dream or that goal of being a plus-size model was a bit of a like fuck you to what you'd been through in your earlier teenage years, (laughs) you know, being bullied because of your size, being a different body shape, going, you know what, this is what I am and this is my situation and I'm going to p- kind of prove everyone wrong that yeah. that I can actually take this this lemon and make some lemonade out of this situation. You're getting rejected. Yeah. People are telling you no. Yeah. You're in an industry which is this is at a, at a time <laughs> completely unprecedented and you're just going, I'm going to do it. I'm going yeah. to do it. So what? where is this driving force coming from? Where? where <laughs> What is in little Amelia that is making this happen? Well, mum always said to me, I said to her recently something, I asked her a question, should I do it, should I not? And she said, why are you asking me? You've always done exactly what she wanted to do. And it was in a positive way. Mum's been my biggest cheerleader. And I'm like, that's so true. I've always just gone, right, that's what I'm going to do. And I think, look, I mean, all into astrology and star signs and I just love Mm. it so much. And I'm a Capricorn and Capricorns are money-driven and we're goal-driven and we're, um, you know, grounded people. I think that comes into a lot of it is that, I don't know, where I come from as well as I've got a hardworking family. My mum never stopped working. She would get knocked down 
all the time. She would have another brick wall, then she'd turn for another path and then she'd have another brick wall. She, my mum is just the most amazing, most strong woman I know. And she'd just get back up again and she wouldn't complain. She'd go, well, that was crap. And then she would get back up again and get back up again constantly. So I think I've had a really good example of hard work and and support. I've had my whole family supported me all the time. So I think that that made a difference. So you've been taken on by Vivian's. You're yeah. the first yeah. plus size curve yeah. model over yeah. size 12. Yeah. Basically, I ended up, I signed to a new agency. I was. And this is in Melbourne? Yep. I was full-time model. I got my goal. I got my dream. Um, finally, I had like $10,000 in the bank account for the first time in my life. Mm. What does what does a day in the life of a full-time model look like? Yeah, full-time isn't like every single day, but you'd be getting three, maybe four jobs a week. Mm. And for brands. For brands. Like I'd work with, mm. with Meyer, I'd work with Target, I worked mm. with um, Catch of the Day. Mm. Um, you know, Melbourne is a great place for all of this amazing opportunities mm. and I and I just I did I didn't focus on anything else other than that because it was like yeah the biggest thing so I was single yeah I had some friends but I basically just like that was my focus mm. and I got to that and then and then COVID happened and then lockdown happened and I mm. lost everything again I made a decision to leave my career so leave I could have got stepped back into modeling and had quite a fulfilling career and um, my agency weren't very happy about it because I was there. I, I think I were, was the one of their top models who was working the most. Mm, so wow. it was a really hard decision because I loved what I did, but I also hated it at the same time. Mm. How yeah. how funny though! You chased this dream mm. for so long. You took all the mm. rejection. You took the beatings across the back of the head. <laughs> you took everyone saying no to you. And then you got it yeah. and you did it and then you went, oh, God, I can't do this. No. I, I'm, I'm exhausted by this. I need to run away from it now. Yeah, you not, ran yeah. to it, you got it, yeah. and then you ran away. Well, if lockdown hadn't happened, mm. I would have gone a different path, which would have been to continue on that. And, and the thing is, like, even though I got to my dream and I was a full-time model, it was still very difficult to stay in the limelight, I guess, or, you know, to be keeping my spot there because I was fighting not fighting against but always proving myself against TV reality stars and people that I was mingling with who a lot of brands say for social media work would say well you haven't been on TV or you know I'd have to prove to them that they they should work with me and it was always a battle even even modeling and I always was more expensive than other people because I valued myself I learned that very early on to do that and it was a, like a sales job all the time, just selling myself all the time. And it was exhausting. It is still exhausting. I, that's why I was like, you know, I'm going to go and choose me now. Mm. I'm going to find out who I am without modelling, without pleasing people all the time. I'm still learning how not to do that mm. too much. It is part of my personality and way of being, but it, I think I wasn't really honouring myself in some ways, like my dating life I wasn't focusing on my personal life I wasn't focusing on my friendships or making new friends it was just work 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 which seeped into my personal life so to move to Brisbane was going to force me to get to know myself and do that before the next stage of my life came along with kids and husband and whatever that you know that I wanted mm. so beautiful I have beautiful friends here so I was really looked after they like family and I had a grieving process and I, and I cried and cried and cried for, for weeks because it was just so foreign to just not be working. And I grieved because I was quite traumatised from lockdown and Melbourne and all the things. You know, were, you, to, were you living by yourself when you lived in Melbourne? I was luckily living with my best friend. Oh, thank so God. I was so lucky being in the, in the industry that I was in and, you know, the government would then, you know, give me the grants that they had and then they'd, they'd tax me on it. So I have, you know, a, t a massive tax bill now because, mm. you know, it was just, it was just such a, mm. a, a debacle where I couldn't work but then I got some sort of form of money and then now I'm paying for it again because mm. I, it was just, I was given no financial help or advice or even to this day still, you know, nothing followed up. I actually have had to do a lot of healing financially and emotionally from that period of my life. Mm. 
um, and it's taken me almost two years. Mm. So I'm really glad I did the psychology because it's given me the tools to be able to like get through all that mm. and um, start this new life up here. On your, may I call you an influencer? Is that offensive to you? No, it's not. I just feel like I'm probably more of a model who has Instagram. Okay. Because... <laughs> The, I'm a, yeah, content creator, I guess you could content say. Creator. Influencer. I don't mm. really mind, to be honest. Mm. So you basically now, as an influencer, you know, you work with, with brands. They give you, I'm not sure, like financial or they'll give you product or whatever. You you wear that. Like 173,000 followers. That's that's a lot of people. Mm. What's the demographics of your followers? Because I've, I've had a bit of a look and – there's a lot of your content where you're wearing just underwear yeah, or just bikinis. Yeah. I'm going to assume, please correct me if I'm wrong, you're going to, you have a lot of male followers. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and it used to be a real pain in my butt because they'd just be, you know, oh, you're so beautiful. Which you are. Oh, thank you. So sweet. But true. And like they're so nice. The comments are so nice. But it used to be like, no, because the PR agencies or the brands mm. want me to have just female followers, mm. I always saw it as a negative thing. Mm. But really they were just I've never had any literally I've probably been sent like two dick pics <laughs> in my whole time. Damn it. I, I want know. more dick pics. Well, I know. I was really like sheltered from that. I think I asked a psychologist once. I'm like, why do you think that's – I know a lot of my friends have had a harder time hard time on Instagram being curvy, mm. um, bullied, um, mm. hate comments. Yeah, do you get trolled? Dick pics. No, I don't. Okay. Truly. I mean, That's- maybe once every now and then, but as soon as they say something awful, I block them. Mm. I don't engage. Mm. I'm not into the drama. I really mm. don't want it. It's like my domain. I started Instagram to help other people, mm. to go, you know what? I've got this body. If you have a similar body, this is something I didn't get growing up. Mm. So, Here's me shaking my booty, shaking my fat, mm. shaking everything for you. Mm. And and because I have got a performance background, I don't mind. Mm. And a part of that's made me very vulnerable, which is why I had to have a bit of a break from it. Mm. But now I'm back. So I was working with brands who were watching my stats, which would be, I don't even know. I didn't even watch a lot of my stats because it's not mentally very healthy. I would sell myself to the brands as content creator, creating content that you can use on your own ads, that you can use. I model. I will model for you. Mm. Instead of doing a big shoot, I will do it at home for you. As, a, as an ex-dress label owner, founder, like and if I was using an influencer or a model to promote my products, yeah. one thing I would have asked you is what's your demographic? Yeah. And if you had told me, what, what do you think, how many – what oh, kind I'd of say figures like men? It's always <clears throat> been about 70% men mm. and the rest women, but mm. it fluctuates. Mm. So if I work with a brand that has a lot of female following, they'll follow me and then it'll change. Mm. That's why it's it's a moving mm. cog. Like I would go, okay, well, I think you're a great role model and figure to represent my brand, but also your followership is mostly is more predominantly men. Yeah. Do you think that goes like that's against you it's been really hard to get work mm. but i but hard to me after telling you my story doesn't really <laughs> bother me yeah if i have a goal yeah. so i would say i want to get work with 10 brands this month because i tried to make social media my full-time job okay. as well especially after lockdown and i moved mm. up here and everyone was putting money into marketing and I would hustle hard, really hard. But the thing is I have really good relationships with all the brands I've ever worked mm. for as a model. They know I'm I'm very reliable, I'm authentic, I mm. put my heart and soul into it. And it's this, the thing that annoyed me with a lot of the PR agencies and brands that are just single-focused, which mm. is on stats, is they're not seeing the big picture mm. and they're not seeing that the energy I'm bringing to it. Mm. The Like that in itself will draw people in mm. and it's like, I started having to pivot from influencer, which is essentially what can I sell for you, mm. um, to I'm not a sales girl. Mm. I'm a model mm. with 12 years' experience, so mm. that's hard to find, mm. with performance background and I can <clears throat> hold myself and speak and you know, all those things I started going, okay, that's what I've got. That's what I've got to sell to them. I also have – I'm a really creative mind. Mm. If you give me a pencil, I will create a campaign with it. 
Like I will create a photo shoot with it. And I just, that's the way my brain works and that's creative in me. They're unique ideas. I don't copy. I've never watched other people. I don't watch other people. If they're my friends, I'll support them. I'll be like, yeah, it's great. But I don't go onto other people's Instagrams and go, what's she doing? i got to look at what she's doing so I can be trending. It's always my ideas. Mm. And that's what I'd sell to them. Mm. And one video I did recently with a brand, it went viral on Pinterest wow. and TikTok and everything. And it was just that it was my idea to be in that, that video. And I gave them that idea. And then I was like, you pay me for this video. You can have it. You can do what you want. And they, it was really, really, really great for them because people could relate to me because I did this try on, you know, and because I'm not worried to get into my undies mm. and to show m- my bits that people are usually worried about showing. Mm. I'm vulnerable for people mm. and that's why they pay me as well. Mm. And I will I wriggled into this swimsuit and showed the real- reality of putting on bathers, which is Sometimes pretty awful. <laughs> it can be. It makes you feel like a sausage. <laughs> For sure. You sausage yourself in. And so I made a bit mm. of fun of that, mm. but not making fun of myself, but being like, you know what? Me too. That mm. kind of thing. And it just went viral. And that's, I get a lot of happiness from helping brands, especially small brands, mm. talk to their audience. Mm. So it's, yeah, it's something I'm doing still at the moment, but not as much mm. anymore because I've pivoted. Instead of trying so hard to, to sell myself to brands and, mm. you know, the, the female percentage of my audience, <laughs> which I still love mm. because they're amazing women who have been by my side digitally for since day dot, mm. really loyal and amazing. I also have the, the male following who are also loyal and amazing. There's people been following me since, yeah, the first day mm-hmm. I've opened, opened my Instagram. Everyone kept saying, you know, you got to get OnlyFans, especially after lockdown because, you know, quick money kind of thing. And I went, no, I can't. You know, I've got – I'm working with Maya sometimes and I'm working with these brands who are like their audience are mums and it's not going to mm. align with me. And so what shifted was what do actually is going to – what's going to serve me instead mm. of worrying about what other people are thinking. Um, it was actually going to love this. I haven't told anyone this before. Okay. I – I think over this, all this experience with, with again, lockdown, the work, I lost my sex drive. Like I wasn't, I was like, who am I? Mm. And, and I, I would say I'm a sexual person. Like mm. I love my body, all this stuff. I actually am very open about, about things I love talking about, mm. everything. I'm not, I'm not prudish, but I, had, I wasn't getting any. Mm. Well, you've been through something quite traumatic. Yeah, it was COVID, like, particularly for Sictorians, as I call oh, them, yeah. was very traumatic. So traumatic, and and we couldn't date down there either. Mm. We couldn't like I was yeah, it was all dried up down there because no one <laughs> literally, beyond, yeah, it was literally, yeah, emotionally <laughs> and physically. So it was really like to me, I was like, that's something I want to get back. I'm like, well, if I want to get it back, I've got to action it. I didn't have – I haven't had a boyfriend. I wasn't dating anyone. So that, you know, regular kind of thing, someone I knew mm-hmm. wasn't going to happen. Mm-hmm. And so I actually went on Tinder and it was a bit of a wild card because I went – I was just – sometimes I get in these moods where I'm mm-hmm. like, I just want to do something different today. Mm-hmm. I don't care. I'm just going to just live like I'm on holiday. And so I did. And this, this guy, he looked so lovely. And I think I even had a mutual friend with him. So I was like, okay, he's not a weirdo. And he was just like – happy looking guy he was visiting from sydney Mm -hmm. and he's like hey i've got this amazing hotel room in this hotel but they've got an amazing pool so you want to come for a swim and it was just really happy i'm like i'm gonna go to the gold coast and visit him it was so wild and when i was there we just connected it was clicked and it was just i'm sorry but really amazing sex (laughs) really amazing you can cut that out if you want to but (laughs) no it was it really it really It invigorated me and actually mm. made me feel like, wow, my sex drives back again. Mm. It was life changing. Mm. And thank you to him because he mm. was just so lovely. Mm. And he, I told him about my Instagram because we saw each other quite a few times. And he's like, he's from a finance background, by the way. Mm. And he's like, do you realize that if you got, I think, I don't know the numbers, but it was like $5 from every, every follower mm. on your Instagram that you'd be this, 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 you'd make this much money? And I'm like, oh my God. I want that money. Yeah, I was like, that's that's amazing. He's mm. like, you should do OnlyFans. I think because it was coming from someone who didn't really know me but mm. respected me and was just talking the numbers, mm. I was like, do you know what? Well, he saw an opportunity, right? Well, and I said to him, you're not the first person to tell me that. Mm. 
it's not a new idea, but you're the first person to really speak to me in a way that went, you could really do this and do amazingly. Mm. He didn't say much. He just said that. Mm. And I went, I've got nothing else to lose. I've lost everything. Mm. I've lost everything in my life that I ever had. Mm. That led me mm. to this decision of mm. going, what would happen if I did start one? What would I want to show? What would I want to do? Mm. What would it mean for me? Mm. Did you know anyone else on OnlyFans at the time? No. No, look, maybe one, a couple of girls in Melbourne who were doing it, but mm. they, they're they doing more risque, like uh, um, explicit content, mm. and I knew that what, was yeah, never. What kind of content are you putting out? Not Fill that. me in. I know nothing okay. about OnlyFans. So, let's, let's go deep here. So I'm not – Offering porn. Okay. Okay, that's that's basically what I tell everyone. Like, mm. what a, hey, mum and dad, I'm doing OnlyFans. <laughs> mm. I had to tell them that was mm. that was all right. That wasn't too bad because they just know me so well. They're like, okay, they know I'll make a good decision for myself. Mm. They didn't know anything about it. So basically I decided to move onto the new platform, which is a website called OnlyFans, which was originally created for fans to support the person who is a creative. It was never Sorry. made for porn. It was only turned into that because of lockdown. Oh. Okay. Yeah. And Everyone else of, was feeling a bit dry. So Right. Yeah. I'm like, you know, it was always made for support. It's like Patreon, you know, that kind yeah. of thing. And I made a decision to go with the one that had the worst name because that would be the one that everyone would have. You know, that would be the one. I didn't want to have to go through the process of, oh, here's this new one. Do you trust it? No. Like OnlyFans is a very well-run website. It's got mm. – it does all the um, numbers for you, so it's all in USD, mm. which when you're Australian, you got to go through that process of the conversion and stuff. It does it all for you mm. and it is a reliable website. Mm. I did 30 hours of research listening to podcasts, but just having a look and, yeah, 30 hours of that, which I think is a short course. <laughs> yeah. And before I even opened it or even started it. Okay. And I then did a bit of a soft launch and I messaged the loyal men who were all they, – all they said to me for like five years were, you're beautiful, I love you. Like mm. they want to marry me basically. Mm. They weren't too creepy, you know, mm. they weren't, you know, here's my dick. Mm. Mm. Um I love my personality. That's an appreciation. They're my cheerleaders. Mm. They're on every mm. post going, you mm. go, girl. So how funny that you've been representing these labels for women but realistically your market's kind of men. Yeah, and, and it's not because I'm in my lingerie. Mm. Obviously that's a big part of it. Mm. But from what I've been asking them questions and getting to know them, which has mm. just been incredible, like who's behind that person, a lot of the time it's because – they don't know women who have got confidence. Mm. They don't have women in their lives that they've been with that have gone, yeah, I love my body. Mm. You know, I'm confident. I, I, Here's my jiggle. You know, like mm. they love that, but they haven't experienced someone who has felt that way. Mm. So, so you've reached out to I've reached out to them. Followers. See, I love this game, which is like, okay, how far can I go? So I got, you know, 50 subscribers. I made it free. Mm. I made that so, decision. So can you just explain quickly? Yeah. I don't understand OnlyFans yeah. and I'm sure some of the listeners yeah. don't. How does it work? Do you pay subscription? Do you only pay for the people, the content you want to um, you want to consume? How does it work on a, in terms of a payment or being getting onto the OnlyFans website as a as a consumer? How does that work? So basically you can choose between having a free subscription page. Mm. Uh, but you've got to put your card details in and everything. So I thought that it would be a deterrent for people if they had to pay money up front. Mm. Um, and a subscription for me long term wasn't going to be the most profitable because mm-hmm. it was, you know, it would be like a cup of coffee worth mm. of subscription per month. Mm-hmm. And then they maybe will subscribe again. So mm-hmm. I didn't know how it was going to go. Mm-hmm. But what I did was I posted a few free things. So just Such like as. what I do on Instagram. So just so I, you I in your bikini. Is it, is it, even though it's not porn, is it more sexual content? Is it different poses? I just start with basically all I did was take off all the bikini lingerie photos I've ever done on Instagram mm-hmm. and said if you want them, come over to OnlyFans. Mm-hmm. I reposted a few things. Mm-hmm. But it was just basically just me modelling and, and stuff. And, mm-hmm. and, and, so stuff yeah. people would have seen yeah, on I've, your Instagram anyway. I've al- always been risque. I've always, mm. even clients would take this one photo that I put up 
years ago was when I first started my Instagram. It was so sexy. Like it was this bodysuit and it, like you could see not half my vagina, but you could see the, you know, the side bits. Mm. And I went, I'm just going to be bold and brave and post this, but it was so scary. And what, ha- what was Every the time feedback? I got a campaign, mm. the photo of me in that bodysuit would mm. be up on the board being like, this is what we want. Because the thing that's lacking in the plus size industry mm. is sex appeal. Mm. It's it's a lot of it's made for people who might not necessarily have the confidence. So it's a safe industry. They're like, okay, we're just going to cover up everything, you know. But but what the but the owners of the brands want and the marketing people is the sexiness. And it was just shocked me that that's what they wanted. Every every post that I ever posted that was really sexy, like walking on the you know fi- walking a fine line um, between getting banned on Instagram because mm. <laughs> I had to be careful of the guidelines. Mm. And offending people, all the women went crazy. The women went crazy for it. They loved it. Hmm. And the men went crazy for it. So I'd get, you know, 3,000 people liking these posts. So that told me that that sex sells, if Hmm. that makes sense. My dad said to me once, he's pretty conservative, but he's like, sex sells. I was, you know, thinking about Thanks, Dad. (laughs) Yeah. He was really, like, really supportive Mm. when Mm. I said it. Mm. And basically what I I tell you what I told my parents. I'm now moving those, utilising that. Those followers. Followers. Interested parties. From being, yeah, like this time last year I was so broke that I couldn't pay my rent. Mm. I have had no income. Mm. And so I was like, okay, how can I generate income um, that's still going to be true to to me? Mm. And so that's basically I've moved them over to this platform. I've started posting even just without a bra on, just waking up. and But, but I wouldn't show nipple. Mm. But if I posted that on Instagram, I'd get reported. Mm. And what really, really irritates me is that once I put a post up of me just doing, you know, holding my my breasts and I said, you know, make sure you check your breasts Mm. because people get cancer Mm. and, Mm. you know, my mum's best friend died of it. Mm. And, you know, make sure – and I was doing it and it wasn't that sexy. It Mm. was just because I've got large breasts, Mm. it looked really breasty. Mm. No nipple, nothing. And it got reported and got taken down. And I went, you know, that's just – it's so – it's so unfair mm. that you see all the men walking around without tops on. Mm. You see, breastfeeding women, they're all around, you'll see it. And, um, you know, look at all the bikinis that people are wearing at the moment yeah. that's only covering the nipple. It's it's really not that. Yeah. Yeah, but so now with this platform I can then be free mm. to show what I'd like to show, which and my boundaries are I don't show my – From your waist down? I also. do show from my waist down but I don't show um, – my vagina? Mm-hmm. No, no. You're meant to say labia now. <laughs> I don't labia. Show my labia. Yeah, Majora. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, I'm, I don't, I'm like that's for my my vajayjay, my vajayjay, my fanny. Basically, <laughs> I don't show that because I thought future me. Mm. Yeah, what would future me? I'm want? So interested in this because I was so on fire from that from that like little fling that I had. I was like, mm. I'm back, bitches. <laughs> um, I, I know that this is not going to be me. Like you know, it'll be a high, and then I might come back to reality once mm. things happen. I'm like, okay, I want to make sure that I'm putting in place things that future me with husband and or dating mm. or with kids and stuff that I'm going to be feel proud of. Mm. You know. I don't, want the nannying families to be ashamed of me mm. and all of that. Those things I took into consideration. Mm. So, so how many followers do you have on your OnlyFans? So now I have almost a 1,000. Okay, you've got nearly 1,000 yeah. followers. Are they all men? I think there's a few women on there. Wow. But I, but what I, what I think. Do you, do you think they're gay? No, I think they're there for body positivity because I don't think there's a lot of people who are positive about their bodies in the bedroom. And this is where I want to tell everyone that what I'm posting isn't scary. Like on on OnlyFans, it's not scary. It's basically just I get $10 per post if you open it and I'm showing you a little bit more than what I would in on Instagram, mm. but it's very PG. Mm. I don't show my nipples. I don't show my vagina. Mm. I do have a VIP section. Mm. which is for the people who it's almost like girlfriend experience who just really want to support me okay. and want to see more. They re- desperately want to see more. Mm. It's expensive mm. and it's it's very intimate and it's very small group of people. How do you feel and they're the ones about that? that? How, like I love it because because I'm like I don't personally – mind if people see my boobs. I'm a bit of a nudist. I walk around the house all the time. Mm. And the so you're quite liberated. I'm, and my mum, thank you, mum, and thank you, dad. Like both of them were just, they both were really great about their bodies mm. growing up. Mm. 
and they never made it weird. Mm-hmm. And same with my sisters. I grew up with three sisters. Like I'm not ashamed of body. I don't think that it's wrong for women to show their breasts. I think in, in the appropriate places, mm-hmm. obviously you don't want to be sexualizing them around children mm-hmm. and things like that. There's obvious, obvious places, but mm-hmm. you've got nudist beaches everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, you can go for free and see boobs. Mm-hmm. Even there's one in Black Rock down in Melbourne. There's a nudist beach. There's one in Noosa. There's yeah. all around. Why is it so crazy to be out here with my nipples? Like, mm. I mean, they'll breastfeed babies one day. Mm. If you want to pay me this amount of money, you can mm. see them. I really have felt so happy with the response and the support that I've had. And I can now pay my rent. I can now, I've had to get myself out of a lot of debt from, from lockdown. Have you ever struggled with weight loss or even keeping weight off? Have you had hormonal imbalances affecting your mood, skin, sleep or fertility? Are you entering or in the depths of perimenopause? I've experienced some of these things and until I was recommended Carolyn Allen from The Balanced Naturopath, I felt so stuck and frustrated trying to get results. You see, as a late 30s female, my body just doesn't work like it used to in my 20s. I used to be able to exercise a little more and instantly lose weight. Before I met Carolyn, I was really struggling to get the weight off. I was going to the gym every day and I was eating what I thought was pretty well, but it just wasn't budging. Since working with Carolyn over the last couple of months, I've lost over 10 kilos. But one of the most impressive side effects of working with her that was kind of unexpected for me was that now I have so much energy. I have really been burning the metaphoric candle at both ends, but I have still been going. Unlike many naturopaths, Carolyn isn't all about the tonics and supplements. She provides help mostly through whole foods and making sure we're getting the right amount of protein and nutrients from our diet. Surprisingly, I wasn't even sick once through winter, something that is unheard of for me who has struggled with thyroid and immunity issues most of her life. If losing some kilos, balancing your hormones, trying to fall pregnant, having more energy or even boosting your immune system is of importance to you, I highly recommend chatting to Carolyn. The recommendation from others to see her was one of the best I've ever received and I know you won't be disappointed if you work with her too. She's got a few spaces left before the end of the year closes so don't delay in what I call a life-changing decision. All Carolyn's details can be found in the show notes. May I ask, how much money are you making from OnlyFans? I feel like it's it's not a number that you can even um, like it changes. Okay. So it's like right. modeling. So this is why I still have my other jobs mm-hmm. because it's you can't rely on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but let I'll, I'll let you know that it is a similar amount to what my friends at my age with degrees are earning in their office jobs. So now I'm able to go. Oh, maybe I can buy myself a house. Or a deposit to a house. Like Mm. it's not, you know, Mm. buy my house a house. It's not that Mm. much money Mm. yet. It all depends on how much I market myself. Mm. So, And how do you do that best? Instagram. Yeah, so so you're using your platform, your 173,000 followers. Yeah. Using particularly for the men. Yep. Taking them over to OnlyFans to actually generate. Because, you know, for Instagram, you're not really earning Unless it's a yeah. paid campaign yeah. by the brand. You're not earning money for content on Instagram. I've done so many years of free work mm. that I, I'm not even sorry one bit for mm. doing this. And if people are offended, that's not – I'm not for them anyway. It's like 6,000 6, followers I think over the last year mm. have unfollowed me. But I don't know how many are bots. I never mm. have tracked it. I've never mm. looked at how many people unfollow me because, again, it's not healthy, I don't mm. think. But I know that it didn't, it didn't serve a lot of people and some people were – commenting on my photos just being like this isn't you and I just politely said you don't know who I am Mm. you only know a small percentage of what I want to show you you don't know who I am and it is very in line with who I am just Mm. so you know Mm. and someone else you know jumped in and was like this is not feminist why are you supporting this backwards thinking and it was this conversation that was happening Mm. which I was like awesome I don't want that I don't like the debacle Mm. about that I'm like you're welcome to leave Mm. this is my space Mm literally my space my platform I, it's not nice for me to see that but i also don't really care mm. because they're just sitting there keyboard warriors jealous or uncomfortable with them themselves mm. so i have never posted anything offensive on there i've just been like go to my link tree discover it yourself there's like a um you know like i've spent so much time on dating apps you type you know oh, hi, how are you 
You never know where it's going to go. Oh, it's not. It's a negative kind of vibe. This is like, hey, how's your day going? Yeah, good, thanks. You know, love your smile. Like they're getting noticed, mm. which is making them feel good. So a lot of it isn't sexual. A lot mm. of it is just innocent connection, connection, and needing to have some sort of acknowledgement. And it, yeah. Do you think a lot of these men are married? I don't know. I haven't. I haven't discovered that. I don't think it's my business. It's like Instagram. It's like, you know, the guys who scroll Instagram on all the bikini models and, you know, they might have a girlfriend. It's like, that's not my relationship. Mm. I'm offering a service, which is, here's my video. Mm. Thank you very much for the mm. payment. Here's your video. I, I'm giving, it's the same as a brand mm. being like, can I see you in this dress or these undies? Yes, you can. Here's your video. Thank you. It's an exchange. Mm. It's funny. Like, if I've dated or if I'm dating someone and I'm at a point where I'm following them on social media, often I'll have a look through, and this could be my own yeah, who judgment, they're following. who they're following. And if they're following a lot of women yeah, it's a red flag. that are really skanky and, you know, very underdressed and yeah. it's very sexualized, I'm like, nah, not. Yeah. That's just like I'm real. That, that I'm really unattracted to that. I am too. That's a red flag. Mm. It's like, do you love all the clients you work for? You know, like some of them you click with and you're like, you're awesome. Others you're like, this is my job. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. They won't know because you're professional. I don't think the men who follow all the, the girls on the Instagram are the ones that are my audience. I think a lot of the men who follow me are people who just aren't seen in their society. Some might be bigger, some might be not aesthetically that great looking, but just like a heart of gold. Generally speaking, they just all have something to give. Do you think there's a part of you, so you're now creating this content mm. where you're really owning who you are, what your body is, mm. how you look, mm. something that 20 years ago was a real struggle for you. Yeah. And now you're owning that. Yes, Do you think? I agree. Do you think those those people who are following you, particularly in your OnlyFans, there's that sense of like uh, they're the same people? You, you know, they're the they're, they've been through that similar. So you're yeah. it's it's like you've been there, you've been them, and even though you're female and they're they're yes, male, men yes. can still have yes. great insecurities with their bodies, great insecurities. Yeah, for sure. And so, do you think that kind of to take away the sexualization of it all is just a, a bit like you know she's not a size eight, mm. she's not super petite, but she's yeah. kind of owning it. Do you think there's something yeah. for the men? There's something empowering in that. Yeah, and I also um, spend the time genuinely getting to know them, or mm. saying you know thanks so much. I always comment even if they say you look beautiful today. I'm like thanks so much. That's so nice of you. And I think it's like I'm, I'm a genuine person who likes people and this is just me kind of being like, okay, cool, what do you want to see? Like what's going to make you happy? Mm. Some people literally just ask for me singing in my lingerie. That's it. Wow. Yeah, I know. Like it's, honestly it's just been it's been so much different to what I even mm. thought about it. I used to think, oh, my God, I'd never do OnlyFans. I never would do it. I would never sell out like that. And I used to be a bit like that. Mm. And what? I would never judge other people for doing it. Mm. But for me I was like – I've worked too hard to taint my reputation and to, you know, that was I was just single-minded about things. Mm. It's really opened my brain up. If it wasn't paying you the money, would you be doing it still? No, I don't think so. I actually said to my housemate today because we were talking about, oh, you know, this is cool, I'd love to share my story. And, and I think she, she mentioned to me, I think it's important to talk about like why you've done it. Yeah. I've done this because I was I wasn't forced to, mm. but I've been forced into a different direction because of the economy. Mm. The the bitchiness online that I don't mm. like to get involved in, brands being scared to pay, constantly saying, "Sorry, there's no opportunities for you. Sorry, there's no opportunities." Some some other influencers, you know, cut in under me and gone, oh, "I'm cheaper than Amelia." You know, it happens all the time. I can't be bothered with that stuff. So like that stuff has pushed me out. So, no, I wouldn't have done this unless I had to. Yeah, exposure doesn't pay your bills no. at all. And when I was the broke position that I was, I say broke because I felt that I was broken, I still didn't. To me, selling out would have been going and doing an admin job. And I really commend people who do admin jobs mm. because I can't do it. Mm. 
I have to do my own admin and I'm like oh my God, overwhelmed sitting on – I can't – for me it is like putting, you know, chains on me. Mm. Because I said, no, that doesn't serve me. Mm. For others it's wonderful. But for me I was like I can't do that to myself after I've worked so hard and I had to sit in an uncomfortable, really awful position and luckily I had friends and family who were supporting me. Mm. I paid them back, you know, but it was just oh, – it was just uncomfortable. Mm. I could have had a quick fix out mm. and then it's led me to mm. this one night stand. And this mm. eye-opening experience mm. that I was like, you could do this. Does OnlyFans have an expiry date for you? I I don't know. I think yes. It's not something, it's a bit like Instagram and modelling. I'm like, that was never going to be forever. I think it's just going to evolve. And I'm, I'm actually a, a, a writer. Like I've written dating stories. I've gone on hundreds of dates and I, I write stories and I'm, I've, I'm such a creative person but I've been squashed down emotionally and, and and financially and like I'm actually this is freeing me up to be able to actually do things that I'm really good at and mm. singing again maybe you know like those things I'm, I'm actually using OnlyFans to kind of draw me out of the darkness mm. into a, a fabulous life that I really want for myself I've always wanted for myself and to also empower other women through it as well because that is important I hear so many stories of women who say I just can't have sex with the lights on I'm like, well, let me help you with that. Mm. Like that's that's the next branch of the audience that I want to get into because people are a bit taboo, you know, OnlyFans, but I want to educate them that you can – Anna Paul does it. She has most of her followers of women mm. because she's just so comfortable with herself and she's leading the way with her age group of 23, pioneering the fact that, you know, the sex industry isn't what people think. I don't think it's for everyone. I wouldn't – people go, oh, well, I could do feet or I could do this. I've, I've honestly, Someone did say to me – can she take? Can you take a photo of a foot and send it to me? I want to see how good a feet are, so I see if I can have an OnlyFans account. I was like, okay. What I would say to anyone who is thinking that they could, mm. you got to work out why, and you also have to work your butt off. It has to be your focus mm. because it's business. It's setting up a business. Mm. It's sales. It's marketing. It's product. You know, I'm the product. Um, it's also getting the product like lingerie or spots in the house you've got to do the photography you've got to do the editing you've got to do the the captions it's, it's a really big 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 mm. job it's it's exactly what i did on instagram but now i'm getting paid <laughs> and it's fun you know some some weeks i make nothing mm. because there's a public holiday or people are going away on holiday or they're with their kids you know like it's it's, it's ebbs and flows within this mm. and there's weeks where i make crazy amounts mm. of money and i'm like oh my and then i so i have to pay only fans 20 percent mm. of what i earn it's a big chunk. And then I pay tax on that. So I'm only earning 40% of what I'm actually mm-hmm. earning. People don't understand that about it. So mm. I really am hustling for my money. i got to pay a conversion fee as well. Mm. So it is it is a business. Like I'm the product. Mm. It's no different to, to the Instagram stuff. But, do, you, yeah. do you think if you met a really great guy and it mm. was really serious and he went to him, Amelia, I can't be with you if you've got OnlyFans, what would happen? I'd say thank you so much. Goodbye. <laughs> Not my first rodeo. I've had to say goodbye to a few yeah, people. Yeah, you said that before when you were a lot younger. Yeah, and I did it recently. I dated someone for four months and he wasn't my cheerleader. He wasn't – all my best friends are my cheerleaders and they've just come along for the ride because they support me no matter what. It's like a – I trust you, you're, you know, doing what's best for you and they're supporting me. So unless I get that from someone else, I, I would understand I'd be – I'd negotiate if – if they were like, I really, really don't want you doing these types of videos or I really don't want you doing this, I'd say, you know what, that's understandable. I, I won't do that. This dating part of it has been a real shift for me as well where I've had to go, who again, who am I? What kind of person do I want to be with? Um, a lot of the time I would date people and I was like, are they going to like me? Um, you know, rather than who do I like them? Are they a good person? Um, you know, a lot of that's come from my childhood and my confidence and, yeah, I, I've I'm a model and I'm successful and people say you're beautiful all the time but it's different to that's my work, you know. Mm. But I don't want to be doing this when I'm a a mum. I really don't. Mm. I want to be present and I want to set myself up so that I can be a really present mum. You know, everything evolves. Mm. could evolve into funny sex stories or, you know. (laughs) Writing a book about dating. Yeah, but I'm not releasing any content that I know that my kids are going to be embarrassed about. As Mm. I said, I don't do porn. I'll leave it to the professionals because there's a lot of people doing amazing porn on OnlyFans. I've just I just pivoted from Instagram onto this platform f- just for these reasons. Mm. So. so where can people find you, Amelia? 
So I have a link tree on my <laughs> on my Instagram. You can I also have set up a separate Instagram for my more saucy, spicy content. I'll pop that into the show notes. Yeah. The listeners. Yeah, I you know, I'd love the support of the female followers and people because I'm still doing this on my own and I still really appreciate support. So whether you just subscribe to my OnlyFans and you don't even open anything, like that's still supporting someone. Mm. And and I feel like I've had to be pretty bold and brave to do this and I would like to be able to have an audience of women who I can, you know, if I did a video and it was for women to see this is how comfortable I am with my body and then other people can get confidence from that, that would make me really happy because the most amazing, fulfilling posts that I've ever posted have been in my bikinis because I'm like, this is my body, are you bikini ready, basically? And people have messaged me saying, for the first time in my life I've worn a bikini, thanks to you, thank you so much. That has given me, oh, my God, the joy, the joy and like the purpose of why I'm working so bloody hard, you know, walking uphill a lot of the time for the women. Well, you are. You you this. You have this beautiful energy about you. You are super kind. We've only met in person once prior to today. Yeah. But thank you for coming and sharing your story. Uh, it's it's given me a lot of things to think about and to go, ooh, you know, I'm a little bit judgy McJudge when it comes to OnlyFans and thinking a lot of it is porn and mm. fetishes and kinks and all these mm. sorts of things and I didn't really understand mm. it. So... I was like that too, all, so don't worry. All the all power to you for going, you know what? I'm doing this work for Instagram. Yeah. I'm not getting anything back from it. I'm gonna to take to a place where I can actually make some money and, and get myself help myself financially to get myself out of that bind that you were in. And Yeah. I think the best thing is to think about it like this. Be Madonna. I've always wanted to be Madonna because she reinvents herself. People copy her and then trends fade. And then who is she? She's like, bam, here I am. This is a new trend. I'm setting it. And she's incredible. She's always been someone in my mind who I've looked up to in that sense as a businesswoman. Mm. She's still relevant because well, you, she's now reinventing herself. You are the Madonna of the, <laughs> the model world. You have oh, been so there. Funny. You have done that. And it's yeah. just such a pleasure And so interesting to talk to you and hear your story. So thank you very much. Thanks for listening because it was nice to share it. 